How common is erectile dysfunction, though? I mean, it is thought to probably affect 10% of men for each decade. In other words, perhaps up to 50% of 50-year-olds, maybe 60% of 60-year-olds, 70% of 70-year-olds to a mild or moderate extent. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe, and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits, and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine, and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly, and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. As a practicing family doctor with expertise in lifestyle as medicine, my purpose is to encourage and support you in terms of positive health, personal growth, and all things well-being. As I say, to never stop starting. Each month on a live webinar, I teach learning by doing and learning by being. The why and the how of health enhancing habits, giving you the science as well as support strategies to live with more vitality. I'd like to invite you to join my self-development club. To learn more and to sign up, visit drmarkrow.com. Today in the doctor's chair, I want to talk about an issue that's important for men and their partners. And this is the topic of erectile dysfunction. In olden times, it was known as impotence, which comes from that Latin word, loss of power. Nowadays, we tend to talk about erectile dysfunction, or as people have often described it to me, when it simply won't stay up. And of course, in general terms, the healthier you are, the better your sexual function and sexual abilities will be. But having said that, you know, erectile dysfunction isn't at all uncommon. And in my experience, you know, I've seen people in their 20s, right through to ripe old age, people well into their 80s talking about erectile dysfunction or erectile difficulties. And really, that's to highlight that, you know, having a healthy sex life can be an important part of growing old and is is not something that should be taboo at any stage. So this podcast is really about trying to give you some information, give you some knowledge to make informed decisions when it comes to your own sexual health and well-being and to appreciate the potential causes of erectile dysfunction as well as the potential treatments. You know, frequent erectile dysfunction can certainly signify uh, health issues, sometimes potentially serious health issues, and we're going to have a look at that. And of course, erectile dysfunction can affect a man's self-confidence, his self-esteem, and of course, it can have a negative impact on relationships. So just to start it off, you know, what causes an erection? Well, basically, when a man is is aroused, the muscles in the penis relax, that increases dramatically the blood flow that goes into the spongy tissue of the penis. The penile artery comes directly off the aorta. The aorta is the main tube, the main artery that bring, brings blood to the lower body coming from the heart. So the pressure in the aorta is very high. Therefore, the pressure in the penile artery is very high. So it's kind of got direct access from the heartbeat straight into the penis. 
penile tissue. So when those muscles in the penis relax, the blood flow in the spongy tissue of the penis increases dramatically. You also have an increase in nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is a chemical that widens and dilates blood vessels and that gives somebody a firm erection. And then when arousal finishes, the muscles in the penis contract. That releases the blood from the penis back through the penile veins and the process reverses itself. How common is erectile dysfunction though? I mean, it is thought to probably affect 10% of men for each decade. In other words, perhaps up to 50% of 50-year-olds, maybe 60% of 60-year-olds, 70% of 70-year-olds to a mild or moderate extent. You know, it often presents in young men, men under the age of 40. And in younger men, it often reflects poor lifestyle choices, whether it's smoking cigarettes or taking addictive substances like marijuana or cocaine or excess alcohol. So let's have a look at what the causes may be. Of course, the causes of erectile dysfunction may be psychological or emotional, as well as being physical. Remember, there is such a strong connection between the mind and body. And, you know, I've often seen people who, you know, for one reason or another, maybe they're stressed or tired or overworked, erection doesn't work out, and then they get a psychological block. And the next time, you know, they have that, what I would call performance anxiety, and that can become a vicious loop and put somebody onto a downward spiral. And Psychological causes of erectile dysfunction are more common if the onset is fairly sudden and if there is an associated loss of of sex drive or other associated difficulties, including premature ejaculation or difficulty ejaculating. And of course, it's far more likely if there is associated relationship issues. Psychological causes of Erectile dysfunction would include toxic stress, anxiety, mood disturbance, including depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. And it may obviously be a symbol of, of a dysfunctional relationship or a relationship that's challenged at that point in time. But many causes have a physical basis. And let's just have a look at some of these. Firstly, anything that damages the circulation, anything that damages the fine lining of the blood vessels of the tubes that go around the body can affect the quality of your erections. And this is a condition known as atherosclerosis when the tubes fur up and narrow and that's associated with inflammation and insulin resistance and lower levels of nitric oxide. That's often caused by smoking cigarettes, by high cholesterol, high blood pressure, obesity, excess fat stores, you know, is, is thought to significantly increase the risk of erectile dysfunction. Diabetes, which is a condition associated with raised blood sugar. It's thought to increase the risk of erectile dysfunction two to threefold. And in fact, you know, the first sign of diabetes may actually be erectile dysfunction or metabolic syndrome. That's a condition where you've got this constellation of factors, including high blood pressure, high insulin levels, high fat stores, and high blood fat and high cholesterol. And all of these factors can damage the lining of the blood vessels and increase the risk of erectile dysfunction. And that just highlights how important it is. Go to your doctor and chat to him or her if you are experiencing erectile dysfunction. So all of these underlying issues can be, can be looked for and appropriately addressed. Hormonal changes, including low testosterone, which is increasingly common in middle-aged men, may present with erectile dysfunction. You know, 
high estrogen levels, which may be triggered by excess alcohol or smoking marijuana or paradoxically high fat stores can relatively increase your estrogen levels and lower your testosterone. Some medications can cause erectile dysfunction. Well-known triggers would be antidepressant medication, antihistamines, medications to treat blood pressure like beta blockers, and also various treatments for pain and prostate conditions. Conditions of the neurological system may affect the nerve supply to your pelvic area and to the penis, including multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's disease. Peyronie's disease is a condition that can cause scarring of the tissue inside the penis itself, and that can cause difficulties with erection. I mean, I call alcohol a good servant and a bad master when it comes to life in general. And, and certainly as a depressant drug, alcohol impedes all kinds of performance, including in, in the sexual area. And certainly people that drink excess alcohol can have difficulties in this area. Certainly surgery or injuries to the, the spinal cord or the pelvic area or prostate can be associated with erectile dysfunction as well. So, you know, talking to your doctor and getting this very important condition looked at can really be life-saving. If you're experiencing erectile dysfunction, remember you're not alone. This is a common condition. It's important. There may well be underlying risk factors, but it can very effectively be treated. The first protocol is to go to your doctor who, you know, will take a detailed history, may well examine you, organize some blood tests and may prescribe some medication. And there are some well-known treatments for erectile dysfunction, including Viagra, Cialis, their generics and Levitra and others. And they really work by increasing the nitric oxide in the penis that increases the blood flow and gives a longer lasting erection when somebody is sexually aroused. And they can be very, very effective. But talk to your doctor about whether they may be suitable for you or not. But I think before we look at medication, it's so important to look at what I call lifestyle as medicine, to look at the lifestyle changes that can really improve the quality of your vascular system. And all of these lifestyle changes, they can lower your tendency to insulin resistance. They can lower inflammation. They can improve the quality of the lining of your blood vessels. And that can really not just help treat erectile dysfunction, but also help protect you against getting it in the first place. As I say, exercise is the greatest pill of all. And when it comes to erectile dysfunction, research has found that exercise can prevent erectile dysfunction and it can also treat it. You know, one little note just to say is that people who cycle, particularly long distance cyclists, are at increased risk of developing erectile dysfunction, perhaps because of the pressure on the nerves that supply the penile area. So that's just something to bear in mind. But generally exercise, the greatest pill of all. And some research from Harvard University has found that just walking, simple walking for 30 minutes a day can reduce your risk of erectile dysfunction by over 40%. As I've said before, you are what you eat and the Mediterranean diet seems to be the dietary approach most associated with a reduction in risk of erectile dysfunction. And of course, all the antioxidants, all the whole grains, all the color with a very low level of processed foods, processed meats or refined carbs generally equates to better health in all aspects of your health, including lowering the risk of erectile dysfunction. I've already said about the importance of paying attention to your cardiac and vascular risk factors in terms of blood sugar, blood cholesterol, blood fat, blood pressure. Obviously, if you're a smoker, stop. Best time to stop smoking as a smoker is today. Marijuana, of course, can lower testosterone levels and increase estrogen relatively, which can increase erectile dysfunction. I had a chapter 
measure my men's health book years ago, which said when size really does matter. And what I'm talking about in that book is really about the size of your belly, because high levels of belly fat are significantly associated with a lot of adverse health conditions for men, including erectile dysfunction. In fact, some research has shown that if you've got a 42 inch waist, that means measuring your belly when it's relaxed at the level of the belly button with a tape measure. It's not the size of your trousers. Now that's different. The size of your belly, a 42 inch waist, 50% more likely to have erectile dysfunction than a 32 inch waist. So getting your belly fat down, getting your fat stores down, getting that belly size down can really help to protect you against erectile dysfunction. Of course, excess fat stores changes the hormonal balance and, and can cause inflammation and, you know, accelerated aging and damage the blood supply to the penis as well. And of course, it's good to move strength training invaluable to boost your vitality, raise your testosterone, build your muscle mass and support all aspects of your vitality. But there are specific exercises for your pelvic floor known as Kegel exercises. You might be wondering, what are Kegel exercises? Well, the next time you go to the bathroom and do a pee, stop midway. The muscles you use to do this are your Kegel exercises. Now that you know what they are, just hold for three seconds and release. And Kegel exercises can really strengthen the muscles in your pelvic floor and they can improve the quality of your erections and really support you in treating and preventing erectile dysfunction. I would recommend doing these exercises, you know, 10 to 20 times at a go for three seconds. So that's for a minute or two, three times a day. And doing that over a few months can be very, very helpful. It can, it can help uh, with your waterworks as well as you get older. So it's a very good exercise to do as part of your overall health, well-being and vitality strategy. Of course, there are more specialized treatments for erectile dysfunction and your family doctor may send you to a urologist with special expertise in the area. And there are many other options, including injections, uh, penile devices, and even in some cases, there may be surgery. So, you know, the thing is, there's always help and support available. The first step is for you to take action. So overall, in summary, what I'm talking about today is improving your health IQ. And health IQ is a term I use to, you know, support you having the knowledge awareness and attitudes to make informed choices and decisions when it comes to your long-term health. In other words, to become a more active participant in your own well-being as opposed to simply a passive consumer of healthcare. And I think that's really important when it comes to this really important topic of erectile dysfunction. I think it's a really typical issue for men. Men often bury their head in the sand. Men often deny, suppress or, or repress stress. Erectile dysfunction may have important physical causes and it may have associated psychological issues. You know, go to your doctor. Don't suffer in silence. Take action. Get help. Improve your health. Improve the quality of your lived experience and allow yourself to live with more vitality. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com.